This morning, I welcome you to the sermon title, The God of the Unlikely. Someone say, The God of the Unlikely. The God of the Unlikely and the God of the Impossible. And Josh Castleberry and I did not communicate about this message, but you nailed it on every song. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it, really. It was awesome. I love when God works that out, don't you? Josh is our worship leader for those who are listening by podcast. We're turning to Isaiah 61 first. The Spirit of the Lord, verse 1, is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison for those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those in Zion, to give beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise, that they may be called trees or oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And verse 4 is important. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the cities. And I'll explain that in a moment. In Ephesians 3 and 20, a familiar from the New Testament, now to him, someone say now to him, who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think above all that according to the power that works in us. Someone say amen. Amen. Let me pray every Father, we welcome your Holy Spirit who's already in this room. Sir, here we go. Here we go. Speak to your people, sir. Speak what I don't even say. Anoint this word and let me get to where I need to be at the time. And Lord, let the last 10 minutes really, Lord, be from you. And let it be a prayer into the heavens for this church and the prodigals that are supposed to come home. We welcome you. Speak to us. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. A couple of weeks ago, I had a dream. I can't go into the details of it. We're doing dream series sometime this next summer. We'll go into it. But it was in a large house representative of Church of the Harvest. We were in transition. I can't tell you about all that, but we were, I kept putting things up and getting them back out, putting them up, getting back out. And leadership understands that. And I put my Bible high up and all of a sudden realized we had to have service. There were so many new converts. I saw many of your faces, but many new converts I didn't know. And I looked around and realized I didn't have my Bible. I didn't have my notes. And so I looked at one young convert, a man. I looked at him. He had dark hair. And I said, read the scripture for us. And all of a sudden, a voice came into the dream and said, Isaiah 61 and 4. And so the young man looked up the verse, and he read it. reason this was so crucial, because I knew the Lord was saying this about Church of the Harvest, because Isaiah 61 says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon us, of all these people that the Lord's going to minister to. And then it says they. Everyone say they. It says they is 61.4. They will rebuild the ruins. They will repair the things destroyed. They will raise up that which was desolate. They will revive the rubble. Who are they? It's those who were once brokenhearted, those who were captive, those who were prisoners, those who once mourned. Revival is coming, and God is going to raise up prodigals to be those who will speak the truth of Jesus Christ. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? The dream has much more but that came as an unction. God has always spoken to me dreams. I'm forever grateful and undeserving, but so thankful, Alba. And he was saying to me about that, that they will come and they will rebuild. This morning, my message, the God of the unlikely, 
it's almost like we're in a jeopardy game with God and we'll say I'll take things unlikely for a lifetime I'll take things thought impossible for a lifetime you see unlikely the very definition in Webster's dictionary means not likely to occur holding little prospect of success but this morning I came to bring a word of hope a word of faith a word of possibility that you and I would step into the light and this church would step into the light of God's hope and God's light because God is the God of the unlikely can you say amen let's talk about a couple of unlikely things that don't have anything to do with God there was a park ranger in the Shenandoah Valley and he was struck by lightning seven different times and survived those that make the odds say the odds were ridiculous I don't care either way I ain't going to Shenandoah Valley come on somebody incredibly unlikely there was a woman named Ann Hodges in 1954 of November lying on a couch in a southern state when a black rock shot through the roof of her house struck her on the hip they took the rock to the University of Alabama to the smartest in the science department and they discovered it was a meteorite from space come on somebody the odds are not one in 9,000 that that would happen but one in 9,000 years but if you had told me a rock shot through the roof and hit someone on the hip I would bet it happened in Alabama too come on somebody just kidding, or Tennessee. In 2002, a husband and wife in uh, Belmont, California, I've been there, won two lotteries, come on somebody, on the same day. They won the Fantasy Five for $126,000. Come on, Lord, give the lotto to a believer. And then they won the Super Lotto. I'm not saying you should buy a ticket. I'm just saying a Super Lotto plus for $17 million on the same day. We'll take the word of the experts who ratio these type things, but they said those things are quite unlikely. Everyone say unlikely. Today, more and more that I read the word of God, more and more that I witness his great ways, it is apparent to me that God is the God of the unlikely, that he beats the odds every single time. Can you say amen? He seems to love to move in unlikely times in the search of history that no one could have thought that anything would have happened. He seems to choose unlikely instruments like you and I look at your neighbor and say, you look unlikely to me this morning. Come on. Throughout time and history, he used unlikely instruments and none of us know the timing the way that he does things we don't understand the process of those unlikely things but I will tell you this morning if someone said they were going to give you one million dollars but today they could only give you a hundred thousand how many would take the hundred thousand because the hundred thousand is a down payment I'm going to tell you today faith and hope are a down payment that God can do the unlikely in your life if he promised it he will fulfill it give King Jesus a praise this morning in this unlikely season and time of civil war in America on the brink of confusion inflation pottery uh, pottery sorry poverty couldn't read my own but there is pottery happening to people it's not causing as much problem as poverty but pottery is a big deal anyone remember the orchid from Wednesday night if you missed that Wednesday night you just keep it between you and me Voices of despair are going on. More people are out of church than ever before. Over 50% did not return after COVID. Not at our church, but I, I hear this from my fellow ministers. 
You see, this is a time when we think, how could God do the unlikely? Well, I want to tell you something. How does God feel about uncertain times? They do not affect him. They do not alter him. They do not inhibit him. The God of the unlikely loves reaching into circumstances that no one else can imagine, and he will show up and use instruments that no one thought that he could use to accomplish what no one thought could be accomplished. Give him a shout of praise. Maybe you have an unlikely circumstance in this room. Maybe you have an unlikely problem. I mean, the problem seems very unlikely to be solved. Maybe you have some dreams for the future that seem unlikely to be fulfilled. And the doubt dealer and the fruit stealers keep telling you it can't be done. But I want to tell you this morning, if we focus on the problems before us, we will lose sight of our famous, faithful God who is for us. For only he specializes in things thought impossible. He can do what no other man or God can do. Can you say amen? If you track God's footprints through history, we might get an idea of the possibilities that are for us today because he is the same yesterday and, and forever and tomorrow. And I kind of like to get an idea of God standing on the front porch of heaven, looking out through the period of time to mankind with the angels starting beside him or standing beside him searching out the unlikely place and the unlikely person. In the beginning of the frontier days after we became United States, 1798, there was a frontier called the West. It was the Wild West. If you're thinking California and Arizona, no, it was Kentucky and Tennessee. Come on, somebody. We were considered the Wild West, and alcoholism took over this. They started stealing property. It was dangerous to travel. It looked like it was an unmovable force, and this region would fall into the hands of robbery. And God is on the front porch, and the angels are saying, who are you going to send? What great evangelist, maybe one from Boston or New York with a silver tongue and a seminary degree. And God said, nope, I got my eye. I got my eye on three little churches that are remote, three little churches that are hidden, one called Muddy River, one called Clay Lick. Come on, can't go wrong with a name like Clay Lick. And one called Cane Ridge. And with no social media, God stepped on the porch of the heavens and said with no TV and no internet, I'm going to turn this region upside out. And Cane Ridge brought 20,000 people to come. And it was the great awakening that saved the region. Because the God of the unlikely said, I'll use some unlikely people in some small communities. I believe today the Church of the Harvest, Cleveland, Tennessee, it might look like an unlikely place. But the God of the unlikely can light the fires of firebrush in this region and bring forth a great awakening somebody give King Jesus the praise in an unlikely season of 1967 terrible times Vietnam War just ended Martin Luther King had been assassinated drugs were rampant riots were rampant hate Asbury California they called it the summer of love in fact Scott uh, don't look him up or even listen to a song is stupid but he wrote a song that became a number one bestseller if you're going to San Francisco be sure to wear flowers in your hair because you're going to find some loving people there so people 
didn't find loving people there. They found free sex, free love, and free drugs, which are never free and take you farther than you ever wanted to go. Instead, they found the Zodiac Killer hardened street pimps, turned girls from the Midwest into streetwalks. They brought disease and prostitution and drug addiction and despair. Result is what they call the summer of love. And God standing on the front porch looking out, the angels waiting. He said, I'm going to choose somebody to bring revival to this area. I'm going to do something powerful. And the angel said, who will you choose to reach those burnout hippies? He said, I've got just the right people. I'm going to use burnout hippies to reach burnout hippies. Come on, somebody. Now, let me get this right. God used burnout, drugged out, bell-bottom wearing. There's the coming back in. Dirty, bare feet hippies to reach those that were hurting. And he said, that's my plan. And in 1960, the great charismatic revival happened in none other than California and today we are the result of the Jesus people movement when charismatic singing to Jesus and worshiping and dancing came a thing somebody give King Jesus a praise because God seems to delight to take those from an area and use them to reach others in the same area. Can I get an amen? In 1906, it was a turn of the century. Kind of like when it weren't 2000. Anybody remember 2000? No, Christine wasn't born. But remember 2000. And uh, it's going to be crazy. Y2K. People are buying green beans and guns and going to go hide in caves and shoot people over their green beans. Why couldn't you just share your green beans? Why do you want to shoot somebody? Just share your green beans. But it was crazy. There was another turn of the century when it turned into the 1900s. And World War I left the world in a horrible mess. God stepped on the porch once again and said this is a great time for a Pentecostal revival and the angel said you got to be kidding God says no I got my eye on a place what place do you have your eye on most high God California oh no God not California nothing happens there he said yes and I've got my eyes on a man there he is an African American with only one working eye carrying a Bible underneath his hand He's illiterate. He can't even read. But that's my man. Come on, somebody. That's who I'm going to use. And I'm going to tell you in Los Angeles, William Seymour, that one-eyed black man who couldn't even read, went and rented a livery stable that used to be a church. He had to clean it up. I'm telling you, we got to make ready the place for God's people to worship. We got to make ready the place for the prodigals to come home. This year, we're beginning a building fund because we're going to build and rise and see the king of glory do some powerful things hallelujah he began preaching great Pentecostal revival came called Azusa Street it was full of miracles dramatic worship speaking in tongues and races mingled together some of my favorite thing on the planet can I get an amen interestingly enough Pastor Hank's home going was on a street called Azusa so when his sons and daughters came in they're all texting me my God they're having his homecoming service it was at OCI but they have a street called Azusa and when you pull it up and I thought it was wonderful that the man who brought revival to Cleveland had his goodbye on a street called Azusa. Somebody give King Jesus a praise. And today there are 279 million, 305 million charismatics in the world. 
584 million spirit-filled people across the world that came from a one-eyed black man and a bunch of hippies who love Jesus. Somebody give him a shout of praise. Times and seasons don't affect him. How unlikely is it that God loves to work through unlikely people? In 2023, it doesn't seem like a good time for revival. And maybe you've got some things that seem unlikely. But I want to take you through the word to a couple of places till I get over here where God did the unlikely. Israel is being beaten and devastated by the Midianites. God is looking from the porch of heaven. It's so cruel. Israel had to hide in caves. And the Midianites, it says in Scripture, arrived in droves of camels. So many, they couldn't even count them, that they swarmed on Israel like locusts. And they destroyed their fields. They destroyed everything they had. And God said, I'm looking for a man to go destroy the Midianites. There he is. And the angel said, you've got to be kidding, God. That's Gideon. He's hiding in a cave, sweeping the dirt. That's Gideon. He's the least in his family. And he's already said his family is least in the tribe. And God said, that's my man. That's my unlikely candidate. And God said, with my help, he will rise up because I will say to him, I will be with you, Gideon. And with a lot of help, someone say a lot of help, with a lot of help, with angels, with dreams, God takes Gideon and Gideon yells a sword for the Lord and a sword for Gideon and he destroys with one tenth one one hundredth of the amount of people victory for God someone give King Jesus praise in this house come on look at your neighbor and say you look rather unlikely and she's going so fast but she's going fast on purpose unlikely times and season and another part of scripture that we touched on last week and we'll go back to next week. People have been in bondage for 430 years. Anyone will tell you the longer you are in bondage, the less likely to get out of it in human statistics. But I don't care how long you've been in nothing. Jesus can bring you out. Can I get an amen? You might have been in something 85 years. My uncle was a diehard alcoholic and a bunch of other stuff. But my daddy's boot on his backside and a confession to Jesus got him into heaven and delivered him. Can you say amen? But often they say, well, you got to get out in the beginning. And the angel said, shouldn't you go down? Your people are in bondage. Shouldn't you go now? And God said, no, 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 no. We're going to wait. We're going to wait till the pot boils over. You know, some of the people you're praying for, some of the things you're believing for, God is just waiting for the pot to boil over. That's what my grandmother used to say. There's a moment when the pot boils over and God says, it is time. 430 years. The people are so confused that when Moses appears to them and says, I've been sent here by the God of your fathers, they don't even know the name of the God of their fathers. They can't remember a pretty unlikely time. Someone say an unlikely time. And all of a sudden, the angel said, who are you going to send? Now, listen to this. You are God, and you've got a huge deliverance plan. You're going to change the world. Put yourself in his shoes. You see, we like to partner with the best and the smartest. But God has enough confidence in his own self that he often chooses those that are the least, those that are the slowest. Can I get an amen? Those that are the lesser known, those that are at the last, those that are smallest, those that are poor, to accomplish my. God-sized stuff because he knows what he's capable of. 
love. Can you say amen? And he said, I've got my eye on this guy. He's an 80-year-old that we touched on it last week, living on the backside of the desert because he can't go back to Egypt because he committed voluntary manslaughter. And so the angels say, so let me get this right, God. You're going to send an 80-year-old felon living in the desert back to Egypt. And God said, yep, that's my man. Come on, give God a shout of prayer. Yeah, that's my man. And Moses feels so unlikely. I can't speak. I can't do anything. They won't accept me. I blew my chance. I'm going to tell you, God is not only the God of the second chance. He's the God of the third chance, the fourth chance, the fifth chance, the sixth chance, the seventh chance, the eighth chance, the ninth chance, the tenth chance. To infinity and beyond, he will welcome you back home. Somebody give King Jesus praise. And Moses said, God, what do you have to give me? Maybe a flaming sword, maybe a wand to call down fire. And God said, nope. What's in your hand, Moses? He said, a stick. He said, that's perfect. I'm going to send an 80-year-old felon with a stick in to deliver the people of God because my name is the great I am that I am. Give him praise this morning. Come on. And God gives five life-shifting words of, I will be with you. You see, the rod wasn't remarkable. The bush wasn't remarkable. The man wasn't remarkable. But what was remarkable was who was with the man. What was remarkable was who was in the bush. What was remarkable was in the rod. You see, you and I, like Moses, need to learn. God just says, you be obedient. You do what I call you to do. And I will be with you. You don't have to be remarkable I'm remarkable all by myself says the Lord who is most high hallelujah how will you respond to that with excuses will you be his unlikely candidate with listing your weaknesses and your limitations itemizing your past like a good CPA we're so good about that rehearsing our failures like we're pre preparing for production our disappointments our hurdles bringing our questions but God took Moses and he turned Egypt right side up and God used him to say, let my people go at an unlikely time and an unlikely season. And we'll get back to that in the next few weeks. God does the impossible. Give a shout of hallelujah in this place. But maybe you, like the Egyptians or the Israelites, say things like that don't happen here. Things unlikely don't happen with me. Things unlikely don't happen to those I love. Maybe... You're like the disciples when they were out at the desert with Jesus and 15,000 of them were there and they said, there's no food. Then we just send these people home. This is a desert place. The day is well spent. They're telling Jesus, the Colossians says, in the beginning was the word, the word, John, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. Everything that was created was created by him, which means Jesus created that very desert before time began. And Jesus just looks around them and thinks, yeah, I know it's a desert, but I also know that if you put what you have in my hands, I will multiply it. Don't tell God things can't happen in your life, in your city, in your family, in your dreams, in your career. 
He is the God of the unlikely. He says to you, I know your weaknesses. I know your insecurities. I know your limitations. I know your fear. But I want to tell you, I also and above all know who I am. And when I get in the rod and I get in the bush and I get in your words and I get in your gift, I'm going to tell you it won't be by might nor by power, Zechariah 4 and 6, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Hallelujah in this place. So then God says, you know, the front porch of heaven, I'm going to set up an ancestry for my son. I've got to keep it going here. I'm going to set up an ancestry, a DNA genealogy for my son. Mm, the angel said, who you got your eye on? Look at that little girl down there. Ain't she cute? The angel says she's so perfect. She's a perfectionist. She never does anything wrong. She's squeaky clean and looks down on those that aren't. Isn't she who you want? Jesus said, God says, no, that's not who I have my eye on. I've got my eye on another one. I've got my eye on a woman named Rahab. Come on, God. Rahab's a prostitute. You don't want to put her and make her great-great-grandmama of Jesus. Come on, God. Don't put her in there. Oh, no. He says, I'm going to put her in there. I'm going to put her in there so every time someone thinks they're not worthy, they'll read the name of Rahab and know she's the one that saved Jericho. She became the great-grandmother. She became the mother of the great Boaz and then Obed, then Jesse, then King David came out of her loins so that the world will know I don't care what you've done I don't care where you've been says the Lord I choose you somebody give King Jesus a praise this morning then he said I want to add another one in and the angel suggests what they saw before said no 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 I got my eye on this girl I got my eye on this girl that's my girl you've got to be kidding me God she had had an affair with David had a child with him and then David killed her husband Uriah yes she's the one and after sorrow when she loses that baby I'm going to give her another baby that's going to go into the lineage of Christ so that the world will see when you miss it when you mess up and you think you've lost your chance God says I'm going to take the next thing they birth and show the world and I'm going to name him Jedediah oh the world will call him Solomon but God said I will call him Jedediah for his name means love by the Lord I love when I've birthed things that cause pain when I've sinned in my past when I've did things I shouldn't do the Lord said that's okay I'm going to anoint the next thing you do I'm going to make the next thing you do have breakthrough power and you're going to bring King Jesus through that somebody give Jesus a shout of praise because he says I love the redemption of my people God steps back on the porch and he looks into Samaria he looks into Samaria and when he looks into Samaria he sees someone that could bring revival. The angels say, you got to be kidding me. She's had five husbands. And the man she's with now, she ain't even married to him. Yeah, I know it. That's my girl. That's my girl. When my son Christ comes to her at the well, he will be her seventh man. Because she had five, she was living with one, but he'll now become the seventh man, and seventh is perfection. He'll become king and lord of her life. And he said, angels, I want to tell you something. When I redeem people, there's no one better than someone redeemed from sin. She's looked for love in all the wrong places. She's been desperate. She's thirsted for significance. It makes her a perfect candidate. She 
will never forget. And don't you and I ever forget what King Jesus has done for us because she'll see that I deliver her from her shame, from her guilt, from the stigma, the way the town looked at her and talked about her and told about her and said her life is over. But she is my unlikely candidate. And when she gets saved, and she did, Debbie Brown, King Jesus told her, don't go tell, but she ran home and she told everybody in Samaria, Samaria, come and see he who told me all about me, but he loved me every bit as he told me all about me. You see, we're not looking to expose people. We're looking to love people to the cross of Jesus Christ. Give King Jesus a praise. Come on, in this house, give him a shout of hallelujah. An unlikely candidate. And I'm going to slow down just a little bit. Josh, come to the keyboards. I'm not, we, just, we just start playing and just follow me. It'll be great. God stands on the front porch of heaven. And he looks toward Decapolis, which is known as the ten cities. And he looks for someone to bring revival to the ten cities. The angels wonder who will he pick. By this time, they're understanding that he picks people they would not pick. And he begins to look around. He said, that's my man. Oh, Abba, El Elon, El Elyon, the angels might have said. Of course, this is all just me, me making it a visual for you. You can't choose him. They chain him, and he breaks out of the chains. He wanders the graveyards at night. He howls like a wolf. He cuts himself, and God said, I know, isn't it wonderful? That's my man, because God saw what was going to happen when King Jesus would step onto that gathering. You see, when someone comes out of bondage, when someone comes out and they taste freedom for the first time, and they know what it is to be free, they are unstoppable. And yes, the demoniac of Gadara, that's my man. Someone say hallelujah. So when Jesus stepped on the Gadarenes, when he encountered him, and the man comes running and screaming, and the demons start screaming through him, don't, why have you come to torment us, O son of God? They knew him, and Jesus cast them out, and you know the story. They asked to be put in pigs. 2,000 pigs, the Bible said, went over. That just shows you you don't want to mess with demons. Even the pigs want to take their own life. Can I get an Amen. But Jesus, and he delivered that man from demons. When Jesus was getting into the boat trying to leave, that man came up to him and said, Please let me go with you. Let me go home. Let me go with you. Let me travel with you. And Jesus said, No, go home to your family. Tell them how much the Lord has done and how the Lord has had mercy on you. And the Bible said the man went back to Decapolis, which is ten cities, and began to tell his story. They saw a man that was once full of demons cutting himself and howling, now an unlikely instrument in his right mind, declaring the works of the Lord. And the Bible said they were amazed, and revival came to Decapolis because Jesus 
chose an unlikely instrument. He's the God of the unlikely and the God that chooses the unlikely. And I like to believe that Gadarene said, I waited patiently for the Lord, Psalms 40, and he heard my cry. He picked me up out of a pit. He put my feet on a rock. He put a new song in my mouth. And many shall see and shall fear the name of the Lord. Is there anybody in this room this morning that God took you up out of a pit? Is there anybody in this room that God delivered you? Give King Jesus praise this morning. What about you? What about your situation? Maybe your dad's friend is in jail. Teenagers are struggling in that family. And you're thinking, I'm the most unlikely person. But you're probably the one God wants. What about that brother-in-law that's been drunk, as my grandmother would say, is Cooter Brown the last seven years? And you think God is going to send someone else. You may just be the unlikely person. No one is beyond the reach of God. No one. 2 Corinthians 5 and 20 says he has reconciled us to himself not holding our transgressions against us. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Everyone say reconciliation. We are now ambassadors for Christ as though God was pleading through us to others saying, be reconciled to God. There's people in this room, I can't get time, but I think Michael Brown, the Lord said, I'll take him when he was a prodigal. He'll become a mighty man of prayer. Everybody wants Michael Brown to pray for them. Sonia, God says, I'll reach down to a girl in addiction and I'll raise her up. Monica, I want to walk among you and say your names, but I've got to move over here. And God says, I'm going to take this mom and make her great in the kingdom. Michael Cook, who came out of alcoholism, and the Lord said, that's exactly who I've chosen to preach the gospel of my son. When I think about Leela Cantrell this morning, raising her children by herself, and the Lord says, that's my unlikely candidate. That's exactly who I want to put my glory in. God was looking for someone and he looks down and sees someone steeped in atheism and says, the angels say, no, not her. Oh, yes, her. I'm going to pull Tina Atkins out of that and I'm going to bring her into the kingdom. Someone give King Jesus a shout of praise. Someone give King Jesus a shout of praise. Listen to me. Isaiah 62 said to Israel, and I will tell you how it fits this morning in our closing illustration. It says, go through the gates, prepare the highway. You see, God was trying to get his people to come out of captivity to come back to Israel. It says, go through the gates, prepare the highway for my people to return. Smooth out the road because they had caravans and the road were, caravans and the road were bumpy. And God said, make clear the path for my people because they're no longer going to be forsaken, but they're going to be called the people redeemed by the Lord. I want you to say the people redeemed by the Lord. Well, is there a New Testament context to this? I'm glad you asked for that. It's in Luke 3. Prepare the way for the Lord. Clear the road. Make smooth. Remove the hindrances for my prodigals to come home and see the salvation of the Lord. Isaiah 57 and 14 says, rebuild the road. Clear away the stones. I've asked someone to help me represent Jesus this morning and he's coming in at this time and someone to represent the prodigal. Would you give them a hand as they come? This is what the Lord gave me one day, just so, just so from him. You see, the road paved to this church was paved to a former drug addict and his wife, restored. We walked that road together to this church. Sometimes with prodigals, there's a problem. 
And Mr. Prodigal, very possibly you feel like this gate is blocking you because you don't understand this is whosoever. You think we're going to screen you at the front door and see what's in you and what's on you and what you've done? We're not going to do it. The founder of this church, who was a great fisherman, but an even greater fisher of men, said we don't clean the fish before we catch them. And he was a great fisher of men. You see, sometimes we feel like I'll have to check my status here at the gate. Well, this morning, none of us were screened. No one asked any of you if you had lied this week, did they? Did anyone ask you you've been angry to your spouse or your children? Did anyone ask you if you've been indifferent? Did anyone screen you? No, they didn't screen me either. Thank you, Jesus. Sometimes prodigals can't get into the father's house because they think they don't have the right look. But Jesus was full of grace. The only thing we want you to do is check your shame at the door like we sang this morning. We're not going to screen you. This isn't a country club. I refuse to pastor a church or go to a church that's a country club. This is a whosoever tribe of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get a praise this morning? Can I get a praise this morning? And this morning, we want to clear the way for you to come. You see, Jesus was full of grace. He ate with sinners, the Bible said, and tax collectors, Mr. Prodigal. You know who hated him for that? The religious. Those in pain didn't hate him for that. They loved him. So I'm telling you what, I'm going to move this gate for you. Whosoever, come on in. Give King Jesus a shout of praise. But I know sometimes you get in and then there's hurdles you have to get over and get around. Hurdles. You think you're not good enough, but we're going to judge you. I've heard it said by some heathens I've tried to help or just the unsaved. They're going to all be holier than thou. None of us in here are holier than thou. What we're really hoping is that you'll love us and then we can get you to love our Jesus. What we're really hoping is that you'll see him in us and we can have conversation, we can share a meal. You'll see our fervent love. You see, the founder of this house helped a lot of men to come into Jesus. There's one named Paul. He was a cage fighter. One day, Paul was helping me go down in to invite people to Hope House before I got the Hope Girls, or invite people to Queenford Bay before I got the Hope House Girls, because he was a cage fighter. And we went to some scary places, and my husband said, take Paul with you. He'll beat the living daylights out of anybody. You can smile on that one. I was smiling on that one, too. We were trying not to smile. So Paul and I were riding around that day inviting people to Queen for a day. And I said, Paul, I love people's stories. I said, Paul, tell me your story. He said, I was walking down the road with a big backpack on my back, homeless. And Pastor Hank picked me up on the side of the road. Now, Pastor Hank had known of him. I don't make sure you hear from the Lord before you pick anybody up. But Pastor Hank picked him up. And I said, and that's the day you got that you found Jesus. Paul said, no, Pastor Rhonda, that's not the day I found Jesus. That's the day I found Pastor Hank Davis. Then Pastor Hank Davis taught me to love Jesus, but I had to meet him first. What we're really hoping is that you will see that this is a place of love, acceptance, and forgiveness. That you, This is a place where we just want you to see that we are not perfect. We're just forgiven. 
And no one in this room is perfect, but this place is commissioned to be a place of love, acceptance, and forgiveness. Some hurdles you'll have to get over yourself, but I'm going to move this one for you. Give King Jesus a shout of praise in this house. I know. I know. This is a tough place because this is those stumbling blocks that get in the way of prodigals, your past. Every one of us have done this. Every one of us have done things, maybe different things that we regret. You don't have to get rid of your past. If you think somehow we're going to shine a big light and expose you, we would not do that. We just want to get you to King Jesus. We know you'll love him. When you get to King Jesus, you and King Jesus can figure it out. And he'll help you to understand things you couldn't understand. And I know sometimes it's like our, our past and the things we've gone through. But when Jesus encountered the woman caught in adultery, he did not call out her sin. He called out the sins of those who were accusing her. And I will tell you this, prodigal. If we can get you over these stumbling blocks and get you to Jesus, your brothers and sisters will be a wall around you. We will cover you. We will cover you against the arrows by the enemy. We will surround you like a baby in ICU and watch over you all the time until we see you raised up in the kingdom of Jesus. Jesus just says, go and sin no more. He wants you to get past this. These stumbling blocks that sometimes get in our way and we think I can't get past them. I can't get past it because I am a sinner. We were all sinners. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. One day Jesus told a parable. He told about two men that were praying in the temple. And the one man, the religious man, goes to the front. He's loud and proud. And he says, thank you, God, that I haven't committed any evil this week. I haven't robbed anyone. I haven't hurt anyone. I've not done any of that. And I've done everything you've asked me to do. And thank God I'm not like that tax collector over there. On the other side of the room at the back, he wouldn't even move from was a tax collector. And all he did was bow his head. And the Bible says he beat his chest. And he said, have mercy on me, God, for I am a sinner. You know which one Jesus says was justified when they left that place? It was the man beating his chest. Because the humble will be exalted, but those exalt themselves will be humbled. You are welcome here. This is the Father's house. Jesus is king here. Also, the man that started this church in the beginning days, we built this. A dear friend of ministry was here with us, and Pastor Hank would introduce people like this. Chuck, you probably remember this. He said, Keith, meet man of God, Chuck Martin. Keith, meet woman of God. And he'd say some woman's name. And afterwards, Keith said, man, they all look like ranked sinners. Why were you calling them men and women of God? Pastor Hank said, because that's what they will be. That's what they will be. After they get raised up in this house, that's what they will be. And there are literally hundreds all over the world today raised up that were raised in this house. Can you give King Jesus praise in this house? So we see you for who you can be, not who you are. You're whosoever, and I am too. If we stick together, we're going to cover you. 
You got questions, I know. You get things you don't understand, I know. But with godly men and women, we'll help you. But we are not going to lock the door to anybody at this house. We are not going to barricade the door to anyone who looks a certain way, who does anything. You say, but yeah, I can't give this up and I can't give that up. You don't have to give that up to come to King Jesus. You come to King Jesus and he'll love it right out of you. In fact, my husband used to say, he will love the hell right out of you. He will perfect his work because King Jesus is his name and this is his church and we signal in the heavens today that the prodigals are welcomed here. They will not be turned away from every tribe and race, regardless of what they look like, talk like, regardless of how they live. This is Jesus' house, and sinners are welcomed here. Just go ahead and stand and give him the praise in this house. I want to tell you, it's prophesied in the book of Isaiah 44 and 22 I have swept your sins away like the morning mist return to me says the Lord for I will redeem you Jesus sweeps that all away now all we ask Mr. Prodigal with a shout of praise and ovation in this room is come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Give King Jesus praise in this room. The God of the unlikely chooses the unlikely. This is a house where the whosoever is welcomed. Praise you, King Jesus. Praise you, King Jesus. Praise you, King Jesus. Fulfilling that picture right where you're standing. Before I say something else, every eye is closed. In this room, if you're away from King Jesus, would you lift your hand and you want to come back to him today? Would you lift your hand right where you are? Would you lift your hand right where you are? God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. Yes, God bless you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, everyone in the room, if you'd repeat after me, then I'm going to pray over you. King Jesus, I'm coming back to you today. Forgive me of my sins. Welcome me home. You are Lord. I'm not afraid. I don't have to clean up because I know I'm welcomed here. Amen. Can you give Jesus a big shout of praise? Okay. I promised Joel that wouldn't be too long. <laughs> Give them a praise. Stay right where you are. Isaiah 57 and 14, rebuild the roads, clear away the rocks and stones, make way. In closing, I want to say to those who feel you're in a tough situation this morning, and it's a situation you need God to do something that looks rather unlikely, right where you stand, you need to step into God's light of possibility. Lift your hand right where you are. There's some impossibilities, some unlikely situations. That's right, all over this house. Just go ahead, all over this house. All over this house. He's able. He's able. You can put your hand down. God is able. Yes, he is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.